Welcome to Seize the GM. I'm your host, Zendad. I'm your co-host, Jules. And I'm Nell Operations. Have you ever had a great idea for a campaign? Do you have a bunch of friends who want to play an RPG but have no one to run it? Do you want to see what the world is like behind the GM screen instead of in front of it? Well, we're here to help you do just that. Each week, the three of us will be discussing various GMing topics. Terminology, maps, atmosphere, world building, you name it. So sit back and relax, and let us help you improve your art of GMing, one show at a time. Better, better, better. And we are entering the banter segment. And, hey, awesome, everything is working the way it's supposed to be. You just jinxed it, dude. No, never. Yeah, you did. Well, I might have, but only because of the person that we have with us. Yeah, you you, you probably you probably jinxed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I know you in tech, remember? I'm the one that has to fix half the stuff when uh, other people when break I it. Things like that. Yeah. So, Jules, what have you been up to this week? Uh, um, I have been attempting, attempting to read and digest all the cool stuff that's in Earth Dawn. And my brain is like, this is like, didn't we do this in like college? Didn't you like stop doing this? This is a lot of information all at once. Yeah, that's 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 what they refer to as. um density <laughs> remember those are the games that i don't play so uh, yeah, I, 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 i've stepped away from games that were that dense i mean it, it's really cool when the game's fun and i play it a little bit but holy moly it's it's it and the book can be used as a weapon yeah at least you're not using the first edition book that was even bigger i didn't know oh now the I'm one scared. That was released by Fossa. Yeah, I, I, never, Fossa, I have no not, exposure not to Earth Dawn uh, until now. Yeah, it was it was a monster, um, and yeah, when when it came out, it was like the heroes system for superheroes. It was the same like density as that book, which is ridiculous. So yeah. Oh yeah. I remember those days. <laughs> That's why the setting is amazing. The rule set I could do without. For those of us not familiar with Earth Dawn, what is the setting? Um, it is Shadowrun's fourth age. Shadowrun is set in the sixth age of man. We're living, well, technically we passed that point, but we when it was released, it was that was the fifth age of man. And Earth Dawn is what happened before that age, when magic was at its highest. Oh, okay. I was going to say, are you talking like before goblinization or? Oh no, no. This is like this is before five thousand like, years. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Way, Shadow way before. Yeah, yeah. This is before. You know, it's like before, like modern Earth kind of stuff. You know. Yeah. Well, not even yeah, modern, but the way the the way the ma the magic cycles worked in in Fossa's overall arching universe, it was like every five thousand years you had a a high and a low, and it was pretty consistent. So, like Earth Dawn is set during the fourth age when magic was really high. We've lived in the fifth age where it was really low, and then Shadowrun was where it started to ramp back up again. So, yeah, and it's it's very fantasy, very, it's very pulpy. It feels like pulp adventures. Yeah, no, that's actually a good way of describing it. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Because like, everything is over the top. Everyone's magical. <laughs> yeah. Pulp and, fantasy, that's uh, an interesting idea. Yeah. yeah uh, another great though. one for pulp fantasy was the 3-5 setting of Eberron. Like Tarantino meets Tolkien. Pretty much. There's ch there's trains in Eberron. 
What? Yeah, the lightning rail. It's big, huge, massive, like, container cars, basically, that travel all over the world. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> if you ever get a chance, like, check out the Eberron setting. It is one of the best ones that three five like that exist for D and D. So, dang! Now I gotta. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it! <laughs> Darn you! <laughs> and I still have all those books Monster. because, like, I got rid of all my three five rule books and I kept the setting because the setting is that amazing. Uh, unfortunately, Zippy's game was canceled again today. Lack of players. Uh, that sucks. Well, it's 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 summer, you know, and yeah. those of them with those of them with little sproglings have to, you know, deal with the kids being out of school and all that other stuff. So I'm like, oh, okay. I understand that. You know, we call them gibberlings. Gibberlings. <laughs> well, it de- it depends on their age. Like when they're really, really, really young, they're carpet sharks. <laughs> of course you had to say that when I'm a mouthful of water <laughs> carpet sharks I carpet sharks because you never see them they'll trip you you fall everything goes you know mm-hmm, haywire mm-hmm. that is great yeah see mine is past that point and mine is mine is like conversational so that's that's a whole different level at that point. Like she's she's turning into an actual person. How scared uh, are you? Oh, no. uh, oh, oh, she's clever. She's clever. <laughs> I think he's scared just because he realizes it. she's smart. Yeah, I'm gonna have to start planning in advance because you can't just improv with a kid that clever. No, she's she's she picks up on things really quick and destroyed like, everything in Minecraft. Yeah, well, when okay. yeah, but everybody does so that. To, to give you an idea, though, like she started kindergarten, and she knew like one or two letters. Um, she can sort of read now. The frame of reference count, would be when did she start kindergarten? Just this year, or yeah, okay. Yeah, like if you, can, I don't know how I don't know how old your daughter is. So if you say, "Well, it was that was four years ago," you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you need a frame of reference. No, this is this is like one like she just is about ready to finish her summer break from kindergarten. So, yeah, and like it's it's crazy because she could almost do none of those things when she started. She just had no interest in it. Mm. And because she was forced to do it, it became competitive. And she just like started with like almost nothing and mastered everything that they threw at her. Yeah, it's interesting where the what <clears throat> what gets people yeah. going. Yeah. I remember, I remember when I was a oh gosh, a little around her age, maybe a year younger, depending, because when school starts also depends on birthdays, which is weird. Yeah. Um because I had the this, it's like didn't want to do phonemes, didn't want to do this. I didn't want to deal with reading. Didn't want was forced to do it, and then they couldn't get they couldn't keep books out of my hands as soon as I figured it out. Yeah, yeah. I I started tonight. We started the Hobbit. Ooh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, very nice. I've been meaning to try. I tried to do this before, and 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 it didn't quite work. She didn't have any interest in it. So I'm just like, well, it's time to time to cut that out and you're going to sit here and you're going to listen to this story because it's amazing and you need to. <laughs> well, I mean, you're definitely getting her ahead of the curve. I mean, a lot of I, I didn't I mean, I was exposed to the animated version when I was, of course, very young, but I didn't read it until I was in my 20s. <gasps> yeah, I didn't read it till I was around 10. <laughs> yeah. But then again, it's... I think I was eight or nine when I started reading it the first time. Mm. Yeah, but I was already nicking my dad's books. Yeah. Because uh, my dad had a huge library of of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, you name it. Yeah. And I'd already started nicking some of the books, and he's just like, all right. And there was like a school sale, and The Hobbit was there, so I bought it. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. 
Because I remember, I remember the uh, Rankin and Bass animated. Yeah. Ten, ten experience points for using the word nicking. <laughs> uh, Are you bringing over your XP? Sociability is it. Speaking of which... Who are you? Why have you invited? I was going to say, are you going to introduce me at <laughs> yes. any point in time? I didn't know if that was on uh, a plan or not. For those of you that don't recognize my voice yet, uh, my name is Michael Miller, and I am the co-host of the World Builders Anvil. And uh, Zended has been kind enough to invite me on to say hi to all of you guys and talk about GMing stuff. Although, um, I feel it fair to warn everybody that I have only officially GM'd one sitting, but (laughs) I am a extremely experienced player and a very opinionated gamer. Hey, you know what though? The thing is, is that players, everybody knows players and a player's perspective for GMs is actually really important to understand, too. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you don't remember what it's like to be on the other side of that screen, because, like, for me, I've been behind the screen for most of my gaming time <laughs> just because of circumstance and the fact that I started when I was, like, you know, eight and started world building shortly after that. Huzzah! So, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. So, yeah. And then, you know, I felt that it was important to get the the reciprocate some of the love that you guys keep throwing at us. <laughs> oh, are you referring to us shouting you guys out on our show? Yeah, like all yeah. the time. <laughs> or would you call it anti-animosity? An- hmm. Anti-animosity? Who's anti-animosity. Who said this? Are you are you calling? Are you coining that, or did <laughs> one of us say that? I, I, I have. It is. It is her like thing. Like many other words, like gotcha. growth. Anti-animosity is not a word. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but, but no, it. Go ahead. Yeah, it's it's the nice. It's the nice with like all the other kind of like GM and gamer and different podcasts. Is like. You see some, and and I've heard a couple. You know, they're all like, "Well, to heck with those," and "foo foo" on those, and and "pish posh" on those. You know, and everyone else is like, "Nah, they're cool. Rock on!" And just I love it when it's just like the the hey, these guys are cool. Or I, I love hearing that in in podcasts because there's well, I, I've heard some negative crap in certain podcasts, and that's why I don't listen to them anymore. Yeah, uh, my opinion is that. The community's big enough for everybody. Um, you know, g- give give it enough time, everyone's going to have a podcast. So, you know, you got to be nice to everybody about it. You know, like, like I'll be the first one, one to admit, um, my wife and I were actually uh, on a walk uh, a couple days ago. And um, <clears throat> I said I was on a walk uh, the day before without her. I said, you know, while I was walking yesterday, I came up with a new mantra. And she's like, oh, yeah? And I'm like, yeah. And I don't know what what it came from. It just kind of like I was just stewing and, you know, thinking. And it started out with uh, not B. It started out with uh, – it started out with B. So it was like be kind, be compassionate, you know, be be nice, be – and it, it, all of the things were be this, be this, be this, be this. And I'm like, well, to say be a given thing is like a, a command and it's implying that you're not that thing now. And if you want to be that thing, then you should state as a declaration that you are that thing. So I changed it all. And I'm typing this out on my phone so I don't forget it. So I (laughs) I backspaced it all and wrote, I am. I am kind. I am compassionate. I am understanding. And then I was further thinking. And I'm like, you know, that's not quite right either because I'm not these things naturally. Um, I, I I know that I am not naturally kind i might have been at one point but i have grown cynical and i have and and so those damn kids on my lawn yeah i'm getting there so so i further changed it to act act kind act compassionate and the reason i like this is because 
It implies action, meaning that you're not going to get to these things in your life. You're not going to get to be these things without effort, without putting in action. You can't just sit back and be that thing. You have to do a thing to be that thing. So I actually, what I wrote down, I'm, I'm pulling it up on my phone right now. It says, act kind, act creative, act compassionate, act thoughtful, act selfless, act godly. Um, so, as I want to turn that into, I'd love to actually have that into kind of like like GM Zen sayings, kind of a thing, like mottos that you find out. And wow, I love. Sorry, dude. That's wow. I yeah, that's good. I, well, it's, yeah. it's 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 one of those things where, like I said, I like I need the reminder because if I'm driving in traffic. Uh, how um, should I tr- should I try to keep things PG or like how explicit do you guys tend to get? Because I honestly fuck that shit. Fair enough. So I'll be in traffic, and while my while my driving tends to be defensive until I need to make aggressive moves, I, I tend to be a courteous driver. But my verbalization behind the wheel is horrid. Like we'll be driving, I'll be like, "Fuck that guy, fuck him, fuck you know." I'm just horrible, yeah. and my wife laughs you know she's just like you say the most awful things when you're driving i'm like yes i'm like but they don't hear me or like when we were on we were on our walk and we saw somebody and i said something really awful she's like she's like that's absolutely terrible she's like that is really not nice that you said that i'm like yes but i just say it to you so i can get it out of me because otherwise it festers in me and rots inside of me so i have to get some of it out where i have the outlet um and this actually leads me into a great talking point that I was thinking about because uh, you told me to think about it, some things for the yeah. show is um, outlets and why I think tabletop role playing and subsequently GMing is so important, especially for teenagers. So, like, uh, I'm actually jealous of um, you, Zen, and I think possibly you too, Jules. I know Zen started uh, tabletop much younger than I did. Like you started at like, like between like eight and 10. Me? So, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I started gaming when I was eight. Yeah. And Jules, when did you start? I started when I was 17, but that's cause I didn't have any friends until I went to college. Yeah. See, I, I started mm, like 15 is probably, well, I mean, if you want to get nitpicky, I played like one or two sit downs of D and D when I was like, I don't know, 12, 13, but that was like an isolated thing. We didn't really pick, pick, you know, get into it until I was like 14, 15. Um, not till like, you know, sophomore in high school and not really, really into it until like junior in high school. But if I had gotten into it sooner, like really into it, I feel that, it would have been even more helpful than it was emotionally just as, um, an outlet for anger, uh, a means of control. Like, I think that that's a huge thing that role playing can be for a teenager in, you know, a lifestyle where you generally don't control much, you know, you don't control how you live, you know, not a lot of people, not, at that age, a lot of your meals are decided for you. A lot of your stuff is bought for you. You don't, you know, you have very little control over your life. But in a role-playing game, you can assert a great deal of control and creative freedom. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you can so, mm-hmm. all the control. Well, right. Yeah. So, so things like that, it, it gives you an outlet and a stability that you might not feel emotionally even if it is even if the stability is actually there in your life but just being a teenager and having you know it was tough being a teenager you know oh yeah i'm sure it might shock you to know that i was not the coolest kid (laughs) (laughs) really i i might be a super cool kid now but (laughs) but not then just don't not not then don't make yourself think that you're the super cool kid because we all know that i am it's it's true. Uh, <laughs> Just ask me, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, it depends on what you're called. What makes you cool? If we're talking tattoos, I think I win. I um, I am I the coolest person. You there. And 
I am also the most modest person that I have ever met. So <laughs> this is why I love you, baby. Well, see, I always, my, I always say to my wife, if if it wasn't for my lack of humility, I'd be perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's Michael, the one thing, the one thing holds awesome. me back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, thank, I've, thank I, you. I know, I've told my wife that I am the most modest person that she has ever met. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just tough. It's it's tough to be humble when you're this great. I know. <laughs> you know, like I'm the person that. It's like, God damn it, how come every time I always ask a question, the response is, because I rock, you suck, and my balls are mighty and swing pendulously. God damn it, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop asking the same questions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but the, the one thing I, I was also thinking about as you were, you know, kind of waxing, it's just like the, the control thing. Also, for somebody like me, and I've got, as most people know, I'm, I'm pretty brain whacked, but even before... The brain damage hit. I had. Uh, I was diagnosed with ADD. I was having that, you know, because I was the weird kid. You know, I didn't actually get any type of really good uh, social interaction because I was weird. So I didn't have a chance to actually learn on cues, on interaction, even if it was done in a completely like cyberpunk setting or fantasy setting. I think it would have given me a wonderful tool to fuck up where it didn't and and it wouldn't matter and the thing is like as we're practicing you know okay what's the worst that can happen is tpk you know we go out someone buys a round of mountain dews we all come back the next night and you make new characters Hmm. but i didn't even and i didn't get into role playing until i was in college and my first thing with role playing was live action role play with vampire the masquerade did a bit of that too. It's funny that you should say you should jump into the, the the social aspect of 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 feeling awkward and not knowing how to communicate because that's mm-hmm. something that I always felt like I have lost friendships and messed up you know scenarios. So I I I figured out early on that I don't communicate the way your average person does. So. My first like 15 to 20 years of my life was trying to learn how everybody else communicates because I can't tell you how many times I have offended people without intention, you know, with with just trying to communicate with people and rubbing people the wrong way or saying the wrong thing at the wrong time without a malice intent. Mm -hmm. Now, when that happens, it's just because of a number of things. Like one, there might be malice intent now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's different. Rolled and jaded. That, that's, di- that's different. But the, the big thing is like, I got to a point, I've gotten to a point where, and I, and I say this to a lot of people, like, and I can actually, I can totally say this to you guys too, is when I first get, start getting to know people, I let them know that, um, you know, my, my, my world has gotten to the point and my life, understanding has gotten to the point where I don't need to know everything. So if I ever ask you a question, you don't want to tell me the answer. You can tell me to fuck off. You can tell me that you just don't want to tell me the answer to that question. That's fine. I don't need to know everything, but don't ever lie to me because that's just going to make me want to, you know, get you out of my life. Um, but like the communication thing, I totally like just like sidetrack my own thought. And I know I missed something that I was going for in oh, there um no it's fine but it, it the, the basic gist is that i i was awkward i didn't know how to talk to people in a way that made sense to them it made sense to me mm-hmm. but it took me a long time to get to a point so i always felt like i needed to learn how everybody else communicates so that i know how to handle myself in circumstances and i know how to talk to people so i'm very good at socialization now and oh this is what i was going to say i got to the point where I feel comfortable enough in social situations and I 100% accept the consequences of my words. So we'll be in situations and I will say stuff. And my wife will like cringe, you know, or she, and, and there are times where she'd be like, you know, I really wish I could talk the way you do. Like it amazes me some of the things that you'll just say to people and they'll just, they're totally cool with it. Or you'll just say things because you don't give a shit what other people think. And I'm like, well, there's a piece of me not giving a shit what other people think, but it's more I just accept whatever the consequences occur because of what I say. So I don't mind saying a given thing that might be a little off color or 
maybe even offensive. I mean, certainly I've said a lot of things that are offensive, <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't we? All? Um, like I'll give you, I'll give you a funny example. I was just in, um, Cabela's the other day and I was, um, uh, in the customer service line to, uh, order some pants. I had, I, I had purchased two pairs of pants. I wanted two more pairs of the same kind. I needed to order them because there were no more in stock. <clears throat> well, there's three people in line ahead of me and there's like three, four people behind me and there's only one person at the counter. So everybody's kind of like getting impatient and I'm just, you know, I didn't have anywhere to be. I had the day off. So I was like, I didn't care. I was just, you know, very chill with it. <clears throat> well, this woman is, um, up at the counter and there's a guy behind her and then me, and then there's a guy behind me and then another woman. So the big interaction here is the woman that's two people behind me and the woman who's at the counter who had been there for quite some time. <clears throat> So the woman who's two people, two people behind me is getting, she's verbally getting irritated that, you know, we're all standing here in line and there's not more people behind the counter. And she's like, you know, this woman's been up here for like 15 minutes and, you know, we're still not being helped and whatever. Well, the woman that was at the counter heard that and she turns around and she's got tears in her eyes. She's all red faced and she's like, I'm sorry I'm taking so long. I'm returning all these items. They were gifts that I was giving to my husband, but he just passed away. Yeah. Oh, damn. So this woman felt bad, but I, I could tell by what the woman behind me said, she wasn't meaning to be difficult to the woman at the counter. She was annoyed that there just weren't more employees behind the counter. Right. So I tried, so I tried to diffuse it. I was like, you know, she didn't mean anything to you. She's just, you know, annoyed that we're all waiting, whatever. So then it's just quiet. It's just quiet. You know, so now there's like six, seven people. We're all standing there and everyone's quiet. And I just stand there with this kind of a shitty grin on my on my face. And I'm like, I'm like, well, it sucks that we have to be here. But now at least now it's really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I like really I'm, awkward. And I was I was saying this to, to I was telling the story to my wife. And she's like, you did not really say that. I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> Damn, it's it's like stuff like that, you know. Well, there's, I, and I've got I've got tons of examples, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's a lot of it is just you have to, you know, and and gaming in general will teach you the social contract that normal normal society works in, but in a very controlled environment, a safer environment, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. that's one of the reasons why, like, when I was. Uh, going and seeing, you know, a therapist, they were like, so what is this thing that you do, this gaming thing? And I was explaining to them about Wraith. Oh. <laughs> playing dead people and you're trying to come to grips with the things that you've left and, you know, the passion that you have for the people that are still there, you know, all of this stuff. And she's just like, you really know a lot about this. I was like, well, yeah, it's my hobby. She said, does it, you don't have any problems differentiating reality from this? And I'm like, well, no, mm. it's a game. And she's like, do more of that. Nice. Because yeah, I think it helps. I think a lot of us have crossed, have, have, have had that moment where people look at you sideways and they're like, you do know the difference, right? Yeah. You know, like, you know, this isn't real, right? And you're always just like, no. Shit. <laughs> but see, there's, yeah. also some, there's also something to be said, and I think this is something that like really serious gamers love. I know, I'm speaking for myself as a serious gamer, this was big for me, is that when a game can make you feel something real, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I participated, the most emotionally intense game I ever participated in was literally just the GM and me. And that was my old roommate, Jim Six who, uh, and that is not his last name. That's a Nick six is a nickname. So he, so he'll know that I'm calling him out on the show, but I, I don't want to say his last name. Cause I don't know if he'd want me to. Um, but it was literally just me and him. It was a, a mage campaign. And there were times in that campaign that he got me to cry. Yeah. It was a very intense, you know, um, game in the basic gist was like, the character I was playing was a very me-based character. It's very, very similar to my personality and my, you know, character, very much like me. And I came from this huge family of like seven, eight kids. And in like the first session, he killed my parents. And in like 
I think two of my siblings and totally like uprooted my world and just sent me down a rabbit hole of all this crazy business. So it was like right off the rip. It was, but it wasn't like a lot of games where it's like, Oh, well your parents just died. And Oh, well, you know, your sister just died, blah, 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 blah. You know, like he really got into it, which not a lot of GMs will go that deep and put all of that Mm -hmm. care into it. You know? Yeah. And, And that, that really made it, that we went on a great emotional journey throughout the entirety of that campaign. It was, it was rewarding for both of us. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That sounds like one of the games where, uh, like my character, like I can see, I can see his end and it's not a pretty end. Mm. And I see it. I see it on the horizon. I know exactly where he's going and (laughs) everything that I've done prior is is putting him on that path like i know where it ends and if if i get anyone from my old game group and all i say is you know dean and they're just like fuck dean we're gonna kill him we're gonna string him up and we're gonna butcher him these are this is a mage game where they're like they don't care what my character is now they're just like no we're gonna kill him because of this because his actions brought about the death of an NPC that everybody loved. <laughs> I mean, Damn. there's, a, there's like a, a drawing that somebody did of my character as a stick figure, like hangman style. <laughs> I elicit because that was his end. I saw it. I'm like, oh, yeah. this is where he's I going have, to go. This I is what he's going to do. And it's not any real fault of his own. And everybody knew what he was. So it's just as much their fault, but I'm the easy scapegoat. Yeah, it's kind of like, and you know, from Watchmen real. with Dr. Manhattan and, 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 and the yeah. comedian. It's like you could have intervened, but you didn't. Yeah. Mm. yeah. There was, a, there was a, a campaign that we did. It was a cyberpunk campaign. And uh, so it was my character, whose name was Kai, and my buddy's character, whose name was Shoemaker. We had played in this campaign for like two years at least, and that's that's like real lifetime. Yeah. And um, never once did Shoemaker use anything but a sniper rifle or anything that he picked up along the way. Usually shotguns. Usually he would steal shotguns. So that's the only thing we had ever seen him use. So. The layout is we're in a field. We are unarmed, except the GM had uh, forgotten and I had conveniently not reminded him that strapped to my back was a monomolecular katana. Okay. Uh, We are surrounded by these like Borg, like these big cyborg dudes that have like shoulder mounted, you know, laser scoped, you know, like gyrock launchers and assault rifles. Yeah, like really, really nasty guys. And or, you know, except for the sword on my back, I am unarmed. And, you know, Shoemaker lost his rifle, so he's unarmed. And he's just smoking a cigarette and swearing at them, even though we're like totally dead to rights. And this guy gets up in the guy who's in charge of them, who's human, gets up in my face and he starts giving me a hard time. And this is right after he had shot the kneecap out of one of the other players. And we were like really pissed off about this. And my character, and this is in a GURPS system, my character has um, uh, like bad temper and bloodlust. So he's quick to anger and wants his enemies dead. And this guy is antagonizing me. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm like, okay. And I'm looking around the room like, watch Kai get killed right here. This is the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, okay. I fast draw my sword and cut his head off. And the GM's like, Fuck! I forgot about your sword, and I'm like, yeah, I uh-huh. wasn't gonna, re- I wasn't gonna remind you, and I, I rolled a crit success, so quite perfectly, quick zip, took his head off, and mind you, there are laser scopes pinned on my heart right now. Yeah. As I am grabbing my sword, my friend who's sitting across the table from me does because he's smoking at this at this time, does a 
gesture to flick the cigarette, and he raises his hands up, reaching into his jacket underneath each arm. And I'm like, holy fuck, Shoemaker is still armed. So I cut the guy's head off and immediately drop the sword and grab the body and pull it right to my chest and just fall backwards. And the body starts getting lit up by, you know, the, the, the incoming fire that had been pinned on my chest. And he starts laying waste to everybody with handguns that he had not used in two years of gameplay. He had never pulled them out. Not once. That is great. It was like the greatest secret ever revealed in a game. Like what? Like, why don't you ever use the arm this whole time? He's like, yeah, I, yeah. See, now I have a I have a kind of weird weird thing when it comes to secrets in games and it's that I don't really like them because I feel that a secret is something that now you can have a secret but everyone at the table should know the secret mm, I disagree they're going to help facilitate bringing out those things that can happen in the story. Yeah, but look at the look at the amazing reveal. That story is literally 20 years old and I still remember it as though it were yesterday sure. because of the moment he created. And that's one of the joyous things that you can get out of tabletop gaming is those moments where you're like, "Oh man, you remember when this happened or when this guy did that or this epic fail or epic success, you know?" Sure. And so for that, I'm all for secrets. Like I keep them Reveal them when the time comes, when there's an appropriate moment, or maybe you never do. And then you get to tell later when the game's all far along dead. And you're like, you know, there was this thing and you never got to discover it because blah. And you're like, oh, then the whole big chunk of the story makes sense in a way that it never did before because you didn't have a puzzle piece that someone else did. See, whereas I feel like to get the whole story out for everyone, then because I mean, I also run games for pretty sporadic players. So uh, for me, well, it's a different I scenario. Get, I don't get the the five year long campaigns where I can reveal something that mm. happened in the very first session. Two yeah, three years down the road. Yeah, the campaigns I'm referring to is when we were playing like every weekend. Like, oh, what are we playing this weekend? We're we playing Cyberpunk. Yeah, we'll play Cyberpunk for a few hours. Then we'll play Mage, and then maybe we'll end the night with Vampire. You know? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I mean, you're laughing. I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh my god, no, we. I never get. I, I don't have a group that can handle things like that. Now this was this was back in the day when it was like every other person in the friend circle was a GM. Yeah. You know, we, we had like we had let's see, Mike did D and D, John did Cyberpunk, Loke did Mage and Werewolf, Jim did Wraith and Mage, Jeff did you know D and D and Vampire. You know, it's like we had a, you know Nick even did some Vampire at some point. So we had like tons of people that were all you know very creative people and everybody's you know, world had a different flavor, even if they were playing, even if we were playing in the same playground, you know, obviously every GM's got their own spin on things. So you'd have a different feel for things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, I think we are, (laughs) we're running long here, guys. Is there a problem Uh, with that? I I'm, I'm, pretty shibby with everything so far i am too before if you're if you're gonna try to bring in for a landing i got a question for you guys before we do okay has everyone seen the trailer for ready player one no no i read the books (sighs) i read the books so i'm trying not to watch i'm trying not to see put anything i want to go into it as as I guess put it as blind as yeah. possible because I don't want to go, oh, I'm going to hate this actor. Oh, I don't like how they did this. I want to yeah. have no preconceptions at all. I, when I read the book and I knew that they were coming out with a movie, I, I was saying to myself, how on earth can they do this? Are they going to create fake properties? Because 
they would need to get licensing rights from like a bazillion intellectual properties. Like how, <laughs> oh, good point. how can, well, that was the big thing. I was like, how can they make this movie? Because there are so many different company owned intellectual properties referenced in the, in, in the book and not just verbally referenced, but visually and physically represented. So it's oh, like, yeah. how and, 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 do you do that? And movie yeah. quotes and, you know, referencing well, characters like you're doing, like in when they were in the Oasis. Well, of course. And they would do skins or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or or stuff like that, you know, for, okay, Deckard or any of these other things. Like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. What would you, Monty Python. Mm-hmm. I, can, question. I can I can tell you this much. Um, uh, well, do you care if I share anything uh, from the trailer? Oh, no, no, go, that's fine. I'm not watching it, people talking about it, but I don't want anyone to, my own inner visuals and what have you, because I don't want to misconstrue something. Here's what, here's what is uh, definitely in the trailer. There's a couple things that I'm not 100% sure on. Like I was trying to do frame by frame, pausing it and playing it and pausing it and playing it to try to figure out what certain things were. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. Defi- definitely saw an assault rifle from Halo. Definitely. <gasps> Definitely saw Freddy Krueger. Definitely saw the DeLorean from Back to the Future. That's very prominently featured. Uh, definitely saw the Iron Giant. Whoa. Uh, I believe I saw Harlequin. Um, maybe Snake Eyes. Maybe Deadpool. The lighting is very dark, so I can't tell for sure. Um uh, what else? There's another thing. Oh, there is a motorcycle that's pretty prominently featured, but it's very fast. It's very quick in the in the shot. So at a glance, you might think it's a Tron cycle. But upon pausing it a few times, I am pretty sure it's Kaneda's power cycle from Akira. Is it red? Oh. Yeah, it's red. Then it is. And uh, it's got Atari logos on it, so there's that too. Yeah. Uh, it's it it's it's visually it's pretty arresting and i can only assume that based on what i'm seeing in the trailer it might be a difficult movie to watch in that there may be so many references that are only on the screen very briefly that you oh. that you won't see them and you'll have to either watch it multiple times or like i said frame by frame it just to realize what's there like you know freddy krueger is there for a split second but you can tell it's him because his visual is so iconic. So even though he's only in there for like, you know, a fraction of a second, you know, that's Freddy Krueger. You see the sweater, you see the outline of the hat and you see the glove, you know, clear enough that you're like, oh, well, that's exactly who they mean that to be. Oh man. Like, like so watching my- it frame by frame. God, that's something like a lot of people did when watching don't hug me. I'm scared. You know, just to get the deeper meaning. That is. It's a YouTube series and probably one of the most effed up things I've ever seen. Don't hug me. I'm scared. Don't hug me. I'm scared. I am not kidding. Is is, is this an animation? Is it live action? Uh, Think think 31 flavors of whacked out Sesame Street. Okay. It's very messed up. Don't worry. I will definitely look into it. Yeah, but the the game theory... uh, the game theory guys, they, you know, they did like this whole, I like the game theory guys. Oh, they're awesome. But they did like this whole, like, and they, they, I think there's six episodes, if I recall correctly, but at, with, okay. they went back and watched frame by frame to get all the, the other references. So it's the same kind of thing. And I'm wondering what, you know, those people are going to do because it is so jam packed, just the book with all these references and, when we're going to be watching the movie, it's like, are people going to watch it just to enjoy the story? Or are they going to go and try and find everything that they buried in there? Well, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of both of that going on. The the, the thing that I that I wonder is, I, I don't, I haven't started to, and I will do this, I haven't started to do my homework as to the production company that made it, whether it's like Universal or whoever. Because what, it's a Warner Brothers? Okay. Yeah. So Warner Brothers, it if you have a, a big enough entertainment company, like if you ever watch a movie within a movie where like you'll be watching, you know, whatever movie and in, within the movie, they are watching a movie on the television. Yeah. 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 Uh, odds are that 
that they own it. So they didn't have to pay any licensing rights to put yeah. that movie within the movie. So, so I wonder if the same sort of thing is happening with okay, this so one. According it, to it, ING, there were 16 Easter eggs in the trailer. Hmm. That was that doesn't, the, that doesn't surprise me. The San Diego Comic Con teaser trailer was only two minutes and thirty six seconds. Mm. Yes. Well, two uh, minutes and thirty six seconds is kind of long for a trailer these days. Not for a teaser. Oh yeah. That's long for a teaser. No. There's a lot of teasers that are like thirty seconds, forty five seconds. Those are well, there's a, teasers. Those are more the like, announcements. Yeah. Those are like the announcement trailers. This is the teaser trailer, i.e., like, ooh, look at all this stuff. Yeah. Mm. The announcement trailer is usually just, you know. Yeah, it's like 30 seconds, 45 seconds. But yeah, this is not, I mean, the normal for a trailer nowadays is about four and a half minutes. Go for a theatrical, like the yeah. trailer you're going to get bef- like before you watch a movie in the theaters. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the ones that usually come out are in like the four minute, four and a half minute. So, yeah. Now they're saying that, um, Yep, that it's it's got sixteen at least. Yeah, Just so I ing won- noticed right away. So I so I wonder if the parent company just for financial necessity used properties that they owned in place of other properties that might have been because there's definitely sequences that are that the, that are showing up in the trailer that I do not remember from the book, which is fine. You know, if they have to represent one activity in another way because they you know can't do it because they can't do what was in the book they decided to do it differently you know in the movie that's fine as long as it conveys what's necessary to you know keep the story going the way it moves in the book i'm totally cool with that like yeah. i forget there was some movie that i watched i don't know it was like a year or two ago that it was a book and i had read the book and loved the book and and a lot of people were critical of the movie but i was like you know what all the things that they removed from the book were for the sake of tr- just translating it to a movie, and it was all stuff that was v- totally okay to cut. They, they removed a couple subplots, a couple sub, a couple of smaller characters. They combined a couple characters, and for the sake of making a decent movie, it worked. You know, it's everything that was great about the book was still represented. You know, yeah. like what I what I don't like is when that when they take a book title and then make a movie that is completely different. I.e., um, I Robot. Well, I was going going to go with um, World War Z because the that book too. is completely different. From Absolutely, the, the only thing they have in common is the title. Mm-hmm. So, Blade Runner. But the thing is, the, the title. Yeah, but the also thing is though that <clears throat> excuse me, pardon me, that uh, Philip K. Dick actually helped write Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Not you know, at, he died before the whole thing finished, but he actually got to see the whole intro sequence. He was pretty thumbs up with the story that they already written. Mm-hmm. It was kind of sort of based on it. Yeah, but, but there were, there's elements that show up in the movie that mm-hmm. unless you have read the book make literally no sense. That is, mm. yeah. But like, then you okay, get all the scenes with all of those animals all over the place. You're like, what the hell? Like, this makes no sense. There's ostriches and all kinds of weird crap just, like, running around. And yep. you're like, what? You know, the first time you, if you've, you know, first time you ever sit down and watch it, you're just like, what the hell is this? But is that something where you get like, okay, they're trying to nod to the people that did read the book or create atmosphere? Or it could be. You know what I mean? Yeah, or it could be the certain things is like they had um, a longer movie. Mm-hmm. And under requirements, they had to cut it. Yep. So they they already knew it. You know, I've I've seen where that kind of crap happens. But you get like, uh, what was what was that one with Will Smith? And he's like the last dude on I earth. Am I am. I am legend. Yeah. Very very different from the book. I I am legend. Of the, the book. Have been, you know. Yeah. Oh my every, god! Every version of that movie that's been made has been different. Yeah, yep. But the I thing is, I movie. the thing it scared the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. I, I could, I, I have, I, I the book was fine. The book because even the, the I'm using bunny rabbit ears around zombies. Um, 
Yeah, because aren't they vampires? They, they, they were more vampiric. They were more yeah. vampiric. But the thing is, though, my two most horrible, horrible fears is um, one is being absolutely and totally, utterly alone with no other human contact. That's one of them. And the second is not zombies as in like rising from the dead, but pretty much is uh, losing losing your full aspect of humanity, having no sense of self, having that to- stolen from you due to mechanical or biological processes, i.e. a virus or something later. else. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and then you know why. Yeah. <laughs> so you combine both of those into a movie, I did not sleep for months. Yeah. Because that, hit, that hit the two deepest things I got. So I'm like, but I read the book. And the book did not just, you know, kick me in the everything, everything is sucks forever, help. Ah, I'm freaking out. <laughs> you, you're saying uh, fear of losing everything to through biological or mechanical uh, reasons reminds me of, because, um, we're of course, we are just talking about Blade Runner. And uh-huh. um, I don't know if anyone's seen this very... Uh, bad but brilliant movie called Nemesis with Oliver yes. Brunner. Big fan. So this is one of these sci-fi movies where they knew how to spend the budget. They spent all the money on all the right things. Yeah. The movie. The, the, they spent almost no money on locations. Clearly, they shot in abandoned areas and like cheap locations. They spent all the money on like the special effects for the, a lot of practical special effects, all yeah. their fire firearms and explosions and mm-hmm. like the robotic stuff, except for some really scarily bad stop motion at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was the state of the state of the art, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> yep. But anyway, the, the, the question of when does man become machine and when does machine become human? Uh, I, I love stories that toy with that. Um, Automata was really good. A uh, Blade Runner, of course. Ghost uh, in the Shell, Ghost in the yeah, Shell, standalone course, complex, all standalone, the way up. Standalone complex is one of the most brilliant series I've ever watched. Um, yep. Ex, Ex, Ma, Ex Mahina was yep. really good. Um, I know there was another one that I watched recently that dealt with this. I'm trying to think. Oh, um, Oh, I'm not going to remember the name of it. It is a Netflix one that is really easy to pass by because you know how, and I don't know who makes these decisions over at Netflix, but what was it? It's like uh, well, black mirror or whatever it was. No, no black mirror is awesome. Um, it's one of these things where <clears throat> you're clicking through the movies, right? And there's a still frame of the movie. Yes. So, and they always, they pick, I can't tell you how many times, I have like picked out a movie or maybe I'm trying to uh, show a movie to my wife and I'm looking at the still frame that they have chosen to show as a representation of the film. It is almost always a spoiler or a super key moment in the movie that, that usually spoils a detail in that singular image or, or it is one of the worst visual images in the movie. And in the, and the, in the case of this movie, it was a bad image. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to give this movie a try because that looks like really chintzy sci-fi special effects. But I watched the movie and it turned out to be really good. And it was like, it reminded me of Nemesis in that they, I was a much higher budget than Nemesis, but they knew where to spend. They definitely knew where to spend the money. Like they spent it on some incredibly good robotics and weapons hardware and some really good special effects. Most of the movie is takes place in the woods. So they obviously didn't spend a whole lot of money on their locations. So, you know, it's, it's, it's like, I love watching a movie when they understood how to spend the money to deliver a nice story. Like you don't have to give me avatar every, every time, but I'd love a story that's as good as avatar. So you don't have to show me James Cameron level special effects. You don't have to, you know, build a universe, just write a good story. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, like, and if you have your effects ahead to the atmosphere, because that tells your story. You know the what what you decide to spend the money on. It shouldn't be for just making it flashy. It should serve your story. 
Mm-hmm. I love it when like kind of more the low budget people and you, they have to be really creative on what they're going to do. And I mm-hmm. love it when they just nail it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap up here. No, no, no. Let's talk for another two hours. We could. <laughs> but you, you, sir, have to go to bed. I do. I do have to go to bed. I, get I know. It's it, being, being an adult and adulting is a pain. But maybe, you know what actually I think might not be a bad idea is maybe around, maybe at, maybe in the fall sometime. We, what we all three should do is we'll, we'll all decide on a movie and a, like a theme. Yeah. And we'll all watch. And the thing is, like, we'll watch it. And, you know, maybe we could do any movie, certain things. Absolutely not. Um, be Mostly mostly because of my, um, I, I don't have a crazy amount of time and I don't know how well my brain's going to be functioning. But the thing is, if we watch, like, you know, Blade Runner or Cowboy Bebop or Ghost in the Shell or something – and we all come up with like, okay, what would this give us to use in game, and what does it mean for us just as people? I think that might be something, you know, mm-hmm. as a fun in the future. I mean, what I, do you guys think? I'm totally down. I just rewatched They Live the other day. That was so so good. <laughs> I just recently, you're gonna laugh. I just recently got turned on to watching uh, westerns. I mean, I'll be honest, some of it's pretty freaking cringy, but some of it's like, okay, I watched True Grit. The original. Nice. nice. It's like, fill your hands, you son of a bitch. And I'm like, oh. If you and I love watch um, an amazing Western that will not come across as a Western when you start. It is a Western, but it doesn't feel like a traditional Western, but it is a Western. And that is Dead Man. Hmm? Okay. Johnny Depp. Uh, the Johnny Depp one. I never watched that. Oh my god the the guy who plays the Indian is he's he's a Lakota and he's literally if you don't speak Lakota the puns that are in it don't translate but there's That's... all these other levels to this movie that like most people never know <clears throat> and it's it's amazing. Well, you get that and same Bob thing Dylan, also. And Bob Dylan, I think, is who did the soundtrack, the whole soundtrack for the movie. Oh, uh, that's a selling point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, big, you get, that's a big selling point. I mean, I love it when movies put stuff like, all right, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. If you don't speak Latin, you don't get some of the goofs. You know, you don't get some yeah. of the jokes, but it's still entertaining and funny. But, you know, and it's Zero Musto. And who does not love Zero Musto? Who doesn't love him? But you say, I love it when they have, or for me, or uh, hell, I've watched a couple of animes where just there's puns in the numbers and some of the words, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, like certainly you, you're giving somebody a phone number and I'm like, oh, translates to kill, kill, murder. Oh, yeah, because I, I know root words a little bit. So I love those kind of things. Let us see yeah, what we so can. Dead, those man are so has, cool. Dead man has check this out. It has Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. Billy Bob Thornton. Iggy Pop, Crispin Glover. What? Lance Hendrickson <laughs> is in this. Um, Robert Mitchum, this is his last film role. And it is dubbed a psychedelic western. Neil Young did the entire soundtrack. The soundtrack alone is worth buying. If you never see the movie, just buy the soundtrack. That's how good it is. Uh, I've got another one for you, and maybe this is the one that we watch before we talk. And uh, I'm just going to tell you some of the cast before I tell you the movie. Josh Hartnett, Woody Harrelson, Ron Perlman, Kevin McKidd, Demi Moore, uh, uh, Yoshio Lezuka, who you would definitely recognize if you saw him if you don't recognize the name um there's another dude here um gack gacked that is his name g-a-c-k-t no last name that's his mm-hmm. name okay um the name of the movie is bunraku 
And if you have not seen this movie, you owe it to yourself to see this movie. I'm, I, I could go on and on and on, but we've already gone on and on. And on. <laughs> right. So well, here, but, here, but well, I think, you know, heck, we might want to make this, you know, an, an occasional thing where, you know, one person suggests a movie. All, I think, I think what we ought, this one, we ought to all do Bunraku and watch it. It's on Netflix, right? Uh, it certainly used to be. I don't know if it still is. Um, I'm pretty sure I own it at this point. I think I did see that it was on there. It, like, it used it to be. I don't know if it still is. It's easy enough to find out if it is. Yeah, it's it's one of the most stylish movies um, from an art direction standpoint and also from a characterization and um, it just all around. The movie has style to spare. Nice. Excellent characters. Just It's just all around a very, very satisfying watch. All right, man. Well, I think we are going to wrap this up because if we don't, we're just going to keep talking. Yeah, we'll just keep going. But thank yeah. you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate. Thanks for uh, joining us. Holy cow, it's been a it's been awesome, like beyond awesome. Yeah. Now, next time is going to be getting you and Jeffrey together. Yeah. That's <laughs> that, make him watch. We're gonna movie. we're gonna like have to take like. A two-hour or three-hour block. Mm. Well, you know what you know what you do. We we do what Jeff and I sometimes do is you you turn it into a short series. Yeah. Is we've had ones where we're like we're going to talk about this today, and then we realize, wow, we have a lot of content for this. So like we just break it up into three episodes and, yeah. and make a series out of it. So yeah. Um. Oh, one other thing before I totally you know call it a night, Jules. I'm mad at you. Hmm. <laughs> You're not the first, and you certainly won't be the last. I was listening to um, episodes, um, and it was one of the early on episodes, and you badmouthed Kung Fury. And I was like, what? Come on now. Kung Fury is so (laughs) awesome. It is so epically triumphant. And I was very saddened that you didn't like it. Uh, it's, It's not... I'll just put it this way. One... My husband and I are way, way uh, over. We have been overexposed to David Hasselhoff, mostly because of stuff that his parents like to watch. So we, we kind of, <laughs> I, I respect him and all the stuff that he does. You know, I respect him as as a very hard okay. worker. But oh god, you you know he's not in the movie, right? No, but we watched the. Uh, I watched the music video first, and it kind of tainted the whole thing too. The music but, video is so great, though. It is so. I must have watched it. It was. It's times it's, in a row it's I super eighties. I love. I mean, I love it. It's super eighties in that kind of thing. But it's. I'm a little. And that since it was like, oh, there. That's the thing for uh, Kung Fury, and I'm like, oh, you know. I mean, it's it's okay. But the thing is, like, I, you got to be in the kind of what kind of watch the pulpy retro eighties style of movies. And even in the pulpy, pulpy 80s retro style when that stuff was popular, I still wasn't a really big fan of it. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, but... You make me sad. Come, good sir, knight. Yeah. <laughs> or, I'm sorry. You make me sad, good sir, knight. Come, Patsy. <laughs> <laughs> clap, 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 clap. Man. Thank you. Thank you. It's like, where are my coconuts? It's like, darn it. Look, where'd you get the coconuts? Like it doesn't matter. We we have them, you know. Ah, uh, but a swallow uh, could have carried them. <laughs> African swallow, or European swallow. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that. <laughs> yes, we have divulged the fact that we're all doing Python this. Now. Okay, the fact that we're all doing this says that I, I think that we're we're all pretty awesome people because we just went into Monty Python and just boom. Yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> and I don't like spam. <laughs> <laughs> I switch out the spam, the baked beans for spam. So you want spam, 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 baked beans and spam. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs>
You can contact us or the show by using Twitter, Facebook, or regular old email. Our Twitter accounts are at Zended, at Jules Podcaster, and at No Operations. And the show's Twitter account is at Seize the GM. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash seize the GM. You can email questions or comments to the show at admin at seize the GM.com. You can email me at zendet at seize the GM.com. Me at jules at seize the GM.com. And me at null operations at seize the GM.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Seize the GM. Feel free to leave a comment about this episode on our webpage, www.seizethegm.com. Let the dice fall where they may, and we'll see you again next week. Seize the GM is released under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted materials referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement is intended, and no claim of ownership is implied. The music for the show is Dreaming Spirit, off of the album Ghost Machine, by the Enigma TNG. His music is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. <laughs>